Hello and welcome to Mafia Hits, the show where we talk to Bluff City Mafia capos and uh, get their take on soccer action, particularly as it concerns Memphis 901 FC. I'm Scotty Smith and I'll be your host. We'll be joined in just a moment by Bluff City Mafia capo Clayton France. But first of all, let me just say that I was proud of the way so many of you stepped up to defend Memphis in the week leading up to the Nashville game. There was a lot of chatter from the 615 area code. A lot of talk, a lot of degradation, a lot of putting Memphis down for things that cannot be helped. Things like poverty and crime and those kinds of things. A lot of nasty talk where people are just being snarky and arrogant and um, condescending towards people who live in and around Memphis. And uh, I was proud of your Memphis pride in uh, battling that all week long. It didn't work out for us on the field, certainly not, because uh, we were ropapa'd, and we're going to talk about that. When Tim McQueen came to Memphis 901 FC, uh, and the first time that he was ever on this show was, I think, the day after he was hired, I gave him a short list, you know, just joking around, messing around. I gave him a short list of players that, you know, it'd be really nice if he could pick up these players, and Ropapa Menza was at or near the top of my list. Uh, Just so happens that he wanted to stay with Nashville FC, and who can blame him? They're going MLS. He wants a chance at that, right? Um... It was an unfortunate scenario that it played out like it did because Ropapa Menza is the reason that Nashville SC won by a score of 2-0. He doesn't start. Nobody quite knows the reason, but he doesn't start. But when he came in, the game changed entirely because Ropapa Menza is a game changer. We're going to talk about that with Clayton France. We're also going to talk about a big, big, big event coming up Easter weekend on Saturday. It'll be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon at Houston High School in Collierville or on the Collierville-Germantown border. It will be a fundraiser for St. Jude and our good friend and Bluff City Mafia member, Anna Della Rosa. We've already had Gabby Little on to talk about this. We'll talk about that a little bit with Clayton and uh, just any topics really that relate to Bluff City Mafia. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this show in which, once again, my audio sounds a thousand times worse than my guest for a reason that I cannot detect, but enjoy the show. We welcome in a man who is still, uh, whose heart is still not beating exactly in the correct rhythm after an absolute thrilling Champions League game which saw his Spurs advance to the semifinals of the Champions League. We welcome in the capo of Bluff City Mafia, Mr. Clayton France. Clayton, are you are you are you alive and well? Um, I don't know yet. I, I'm still. I mean, it's been what almost 45 minutes, and I'm still very anxious <laughs> like, I'm very on edge still you do realize that the game is over and you did in fact advance to the semifinals <laughs> of the Champions League yeah you're right you're right so like for 10 minutes after the game my hands were just shaking right like you know just coming off the adrenaline 
And yeah. I mean, literally, I felt so nauseous for about the last 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, man, it was exciting. And then they scored, and then they didn't score. Oh, it's crazy. Right. Oh, man. That's, you know, and here's the thing is that's going to be one of those goals that is definitely debated a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, whether yep. or not whether or not Aguero was offsides or not is going to be debated a lot. Yeah. So I'm not going to give my opinion. I'm just going to take the win for what it is and call it a day. Looked like a leg was so. offside there. So, uh, yeah. But it's a, one of those things where VAR it used to not be a part of Champions League, and now it is a part of Champions League, and that'll be one of the topics of among the pundits this evening. Yeah. To be sure. Well, like I said, I I think Pep got it very wrong in the first leg, and right. and you know how big was Hugo Lloris's penalty save now? Yeah. So. All right. So let us uh, let's let's switch continents here and get a little closer to home. Uh, Memphis uh, 901 FC uh, is coming off uh, a loss in which they were outshot 21 to. Six. Um, we're going to stay with the on-field stuff before we get to the off-field because I do think those are two very, very different things. But let's talk uh, just a little bit about the week that was. And by the way, there's an off. There's a there, Memphis 901 FC does not play this weekend. And if I've ever seen a team that I felt needed a break, this is the one. They need to kind of just take a moment, take a deep breath regroup there was transfer news coming down the pipe today uh as as junior sandoval has been sent to las vegas um and they're they're just kind of evaluating everything right now but you were in nashville and you withstood the 75 minute rain delay (laughs) i did and then when the on-field product uh was displayed it it uh, even though the it did not appear to be even, quite literally, it was dead even through seventy five minutes. Right, it was a nil nil scoreline through seventy five minutes, and then Memphis got Ropapa Menzad. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. Uh, Ropapa came on, and and you can feel the dynamic in the game change. And I will say, like, we got outshot 21 to 6. For 75 minutes of that game, it didn't feel like we had been outshot 21 to 6. Like, it definitely felt, you know, most of our games that we have lost this season, Memphis has been the better team. Memphis has obviously been the better team. This was the first match that I walked away from and said, Memphis was not the better team, but we weren't dominated. We didn't, you know, it never felt like we were being dominated. And and maybe I'm wrong and maybe it, it didn't look that way from, you know, other people's standpoint, but it never felt like, it never felt like Memphis was was on their back heel at any point until Rapapa Menza came on. Yeah. And when Rapapa Menza came on, he immediately set up, uh, beautiful, uh, you know, put a beautiful pass in for, you know, set up a, to set up a goal. And then with just sheer work ethic off the corner kick, he scored a goal. And um, 
you know, look, we've been on this gap, on this podcast. We've been on this gap for two years. Say, man, it would be super nice if uh, if we could somehow get him. But I, I understand him not wanting to leave Nashville, uh, especially when you have a chance to, if you do really, really well this year, be with their MLS team. I mean, we saw Cincinnati side, what was it, six or seven players off their USL team. And, you know, Rapapa is continuously uh, not starting, which I just can't – I don't get it. I didn't get it last year. I don't get it this year. He's not starting. He is an absolute difference maker. He is their best threat to score, and yet they don't start him. I don't know if he's going to have a chance at MLS, but you've got to look at it from his perspective. He is trying to earn an MLS contract with his play this year, and when you have a team that's definitely going MLS, uh, that's probably a pretty good decision on his part. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. He is a dynamic playmaker in the game and and he is he's almost he's almost in that level of you know he's good enough to be on a lower tier MLS roster you know as a super but he's sub. like right right but he's like but he's really truly a step you know he's definitely in the top tier players in the USL yeah so I don't understand I don't understand what the hesitation to start him at Nashville is. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe that's how Nashville uses it as a super sub. Maybe that's that's the design plan all along. Seems to work. But you would have to think – I mean, you would have to think if you're a Ropapa Menza, like you would want to go play somewhere where you can start and play 90, you know, 90 minutes. Let's say he doesn't earn an MLS contract. Is he at the top of Tim McQueen's list for the offseason? He's on top of my list for the offseason. Mine too. I can tell you that right he's now. He's on the like, top of my list last year. If he's not, if he's not at the top of this team's list, then I have serious questions about the front office scouting reports. Well, you know, I, I also had Freddie Adu on that list, so I don't know if I'm the one to ask. I didn't have Freddie Adu on my list, so maybe my list is a little different than yours. I thought he'd be a great marketing tool for the city of Memphis. <laughs> right, right. A guy with zero ties to the city of Memphis be a huge marketing tool. It's like, hey, we got soccer now. Oh, I remember when that one kid used to play soccer a long time ago. Let's bring right, him in. Right. I remember when DC United signed it for you do a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. like, I will say this. Like, my brother-in-law, who is a huge Memphis sports fan in absolutely everything, including every single fly-by-night football league that comes into this place, Right. He can name two uh, American soccer players, Alexi Lawless and Freddie Adu. See what I mean I by mean, marketing? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, like remember, Freddie Adu got signed and was still having to have his mother drive him to senior team practice <laughs> when he got signed. Like, he couldn't drive. Yeah. So, because so, he was signed at, like, what, 14 or 15? 14, yeah. You know? right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, just think about that. Like, this was the this was this was the Christian Pulisic before Christian Pulisic was a thing. Yeah. Well, he's off my list so, now, and because he's going to be thirty, uh, you know, and and he never really full really fully realized his potential. Rapapa Menza remains at the top of my list. We got burned by him on the weekend. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, yeah. But in the but off the field. 
um, you know, that's a completely different thing. And I will say this, and I'm going to say this in a very objective way with no biases whatsoever. These are the facts of the situation. There's a supporters group for Memphis. There's a supporters group for Nashville. One of those groups is being universally lambasted and made fun of, and the other one continues to receive praise. You are in charge of the one that continues to receive praise. So good on you, sir. The other one has made the other one has made a mockery of the proceedings, and they continue right. to get called out about it on Twitter. Yeah. So, you know, you and I said this off the podcast, and we talked about this a lot. And I, I will stand by what I said. I think that as far as in-game atmosphere goes, roadies do a lot of things right. Yeah. They do. Yeah, that's right. They do really well with, you know, pers- it's not a very big number of people. I mean, we easily we easily double or maybe even triple the size of roadies for a home match. Um, is, it, is it fair to – well, I don't know. This is probably not – it seems like their numbers were larger last year. And I'm sure they were. And, and I'm not going to – like, I'm not going to talk about last year because I can't – we weren't there. I can't speak to last year. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that – the 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 size of a supporters group that I saw on Saturday night, mm-hmm. which was like, I mean, Nashville built this game just like Memphis did. You know, this was this was by every means a very important derby match in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you have the Predators playing, you have the Predators playing just a couple blocks away, mm-hmm. and that game ends right as Nashville starts or was supposed to. Right. Um. So, from, from, a, from an objective standpoint, they do a lot of things right for the size of people that they have. They are loud. They do a very good job of making noise. They do a very good job of, you know, if it's a, if it's a chant or a song that requires you to clap or to jump or to, you know, lock arms and move laterally, they all do it, you know. That's the good. the per, the participation percentage is very high. Right. Where I think that they where I think that they have gotten things wrong and I think that like and where I would you know my criticisms of them are is the TIFO was really bad. It yeah. is it's it has been blistered by every supporters group from MLS to NPSL. Right. You know, um, and and uh, like so sitting at the game too, like because they printed it, I couldn't even see it. It was so like glossy. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even see it from where we were sitting. Right. And like so for the first three or four, you know, they put it up like what, three or four different times. And I couldn't even see to tell you what it was. All I could tell was that it was Tim Howard. Um. And I really could barely only make out that it was Tim Howard. So I think I could, that the I execution could not on Twitter because it was the, it was too shiny. Right, and like I said, it's I've got like I took a picture of it to you know because I knew it was going to be something we could make fun of, and you can't like in my even in my picture you can't see that it's really Tim Howard. 
I thought it was Kanye, um, to be honest. I honestly thought it was Kanye. <laughs> when I saw like, I was like, what am I looking at be, here? That would be a weird, that would be a weird title, actually, I guess. Like, um, I just, no, I just didn't know what I was looking at. I was like, right, you know, it was all, right. it was kind of like, it, 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 some parts of it were shiny, some parts of it were shadowy. I couldn't, I just didn't know what I was seeing. Right. I'm like, what what it is was, this? It was definitely interesting. Um, yeah. So, when I finally like saw on Twitter what it was, because they they tweeted they tweeted it out right before they put it up, so like we could look on Twitter and see what it was, and I didn't get it, I, I didn't understand it at all. Right. Um. And I think that's and I think that has been, uh, I think that is largely like, aside from the fact that it was printed, you know. Mm-hmm. And and trust me, they have gotten, you know, that has been a lot of the blistering. Aside from that, the other the other part that people have given them so much crap about was it doesn't really make sense if you're not a Nashville supporter. Right. Um, and I think that the and and everybody's gonna do TIFO differently. You know, everybody's gonna do them very different. But I think that if if, it's, if you're going to make a stab at a team or you're going to try to throw shade or make a joke about it, it has to be something that the casual fan would understand. Yeah, I think that's right. So if you're if you're trying to make something funny or or whatever, if if it's anything other than just saying this TIFO is specifically pro my team and it is solely meant to build up my team for this match. Mm-hmm. Anything other than that, you have to, it has to be like easy to understand. Right. You yeah. should not have to get on Twitter and go, let me explain why this is funny because the minute you do that, it's, it's not funny. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. And so, like I said, I will give credit where credit is due. They do a great job in stadium atmosphere. Yeah. And I, and they were, and both groups were very hospitable to us. And we, you know, we met, um, we met with the roadies before the match and we, we tailgated with the assembly for a little bit before the match. And, and both groups were great. Um, we met a lot of the board, a lot of the leadership and stuff. Um, I talked to both presidents. I talked to uh, both capos and board members from the roadies and stuff. And everybody was very nice and everything like that. Cool. Um, like I said, I just think that I think that they do things that the league that that soccer supporter culture frowns on. Yes, that's true. That's been true and since they, the NPSL. And they em, and they embrace it. Right. Like they like they got it wrong and they steered into it. Like they knew they got this wrong. Yeah. You know. And by the end of by the end of the blistering that they were getting, they were just, you know what? You're right. We got this wrong. Yeah. And and I'll oh, go ahead. It, I don't know. I was gonna say, and it's when when the guy who created the roadies has to get on there and say, "Let me explain why this is funny." It instantly should be a red flag that it wasn't funny. Yeah. And that no one gets it. Yeah, and I know they've talked a lot since the match about because and maybe it's to compensate for or make up for the fact that they have done a lot of those things wrong off the field. But it's they keep wanting to come back to the score line to the two zero and look at the match, look at you know this and that, look 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 at the scoreboard and all this. But at the end right. of the day, the analysis, even though yes, we got 
outshot and probably possession lost that too. The the truth of the matter is one team, and I keep going back to this, and this is just my analysis of the match. One team had Ropapa Menza and one team did not. And we were the I team mean, that did not. It's really that simple to me. I can't be persuaded otherwise. No, and I think you're right. I think, and, and really even on the second goal, um, you know, call lucky the way the ball, because he makes – he makes he a great first initial one? first save. Right. Caldwell's really great, isn't he? Save. I mean, Caldwell's, Caldwell's really great. Caldwell is very underrated. Caldwell is so underrated. Um, and here's the thing. Like, he makes an amazing save on the first, on the first shot. Yeah. It's, the, it's just very unfortunate that the ball fell right at Ropapa Menz's feet. Yeah. You know, and that is what it is. I mean, that's just the game, and that's just how, you know, that's kind of how the cards fell. Yeah, and look, I know I know that it is the biggest nightmare scenario for uh, for Bluff City Mafia that, that uh, God forbid, Caldwell should get called back to NYCFC, which is why I made the – stupid decision to, you know, use that as my April Fool's joke, which the, you know, the club uh, was none too happy about, but that is the nightmare. (laughs) They just weren't happy about that. And I I can understand. (laughs) No, they were not. I I can understand that. That's on me. That's my bad. But I, that's the nightmare scenario for Bluff City Mafia, right? I mean, it is Um, like, because, okay, look, I'm talking about this year because I'm talking about just this year. Let's focus on 2019. Cal- yeah, Caldwell's think- future. Caldwell's future is massive. All right, this guy. Oh, yeah. this, that's, un- that's without a doubt. This this guy has all the potential in the world. He's been fantastic. Uh, you know, just save after save. He does everything right from a goalkeeper's perspective. Even um, even when people who are very critical of goalkeepers and who analyze the position, like Tim McQueen, for example. Uh, when they analyze him and when they break him down, they say this guy does everything right from a goalkeeper's position. And he was under attack several times the other night, and he made some remarkable saves. Even in that scenario, and for the last goal, he made the first save, but, you know, the unlucky bounce, and it's hard to make that second save. So, But we've seen him, like, make some double saves. So I know that uh, NYCFC fans were, were uh, and in fact, uh, a lot of American soccer fans on Twitter, hashtag soccer Twitter, you know, were, they were kind of spoofing a little bit on um, Sean Johnson's gaffe over the weekend where he kind of scored an on goal uh, that led to a draw instead of, instead of three points for New York City FC. Uh, you know, look, he's a great keeper. He's made un- unbelievable saves um, so many times. He's on the U.S. men's national team roster. He's had several call-ups recently. Sean Johnson's a great keeper, and Caldwell is a little bit buried on that depth right. chart, but he's a guy with an immense future, and I'm just, you know, I feel like we're lucky to have him and uh, it'd be great to keep him even right. past this season, you know, to keep him as long as we possibly can. But this is a guy with first division talent, and I don't think that there's any doubt about that. Right. And I think that I think that you're right there. I think that he is – his intangibles are so good 
and his his just his instincts are unbelievable. Um, yeah. You know, that's something that that's something that a lot of young goalkeepers, a lot of young goalkeepers can make those saves. You know, their positioning is very good. Their acrobatics are very good. Mm-hmm. What they what a lot of young goalkeepers, what sets Caldwell apart from that is mentally. He has something you just can't teach. Right. You know, his intangibles that he has, you just can't teach. And those yeah. instincts that he has, you can't teach, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I think it shows, I think that, you know, and I think that he has, I think that he has embraced this city as much as the city and, and Bluff Sea Mafia has embraced him. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I definitely think that if he were to, if you were to ask him right now, you know, if, if he was going to go on loan for another season after this, yeah where he wanted to play mm-hmm. i i wholeheartedly think he would tell you back in with this i hope so man i hope so um yeah i, I agree so. he does seem to be very team first like uh, we're here for the city i'm going to come over and talk to the fans and all of that kind of guy and he does and he 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 came over saturday and and he talked to us and uh and cameron lindley came over and talked to us afterwards both of them were just class acts too to the what do you think about Lindley? I think Lindley's really good. I think I Lindley played. Um, I'm not sure exactly how long he played. I know he got but some it literally his first. It's literally his first match, and he, right. he starts. I think that's a big telling sign right there. Right, and he's he's a box to box kind of guy. He's a you know I think he's one thing that we've really been missing is you know we have some very good technical guys up top in the midfield. And we have some very good defensive guys in our midfield. I think where we've struggled is w- with losing with losing Raul, you lose a guy that can go box to box. And he's a guy that's going to keep possession, a guy that's going to do, you know, is going to make those nasty plays that have to be made. And Lindley made those. Lindley looked good, yeah. you know. I, I was very impressed with him Saturday, and I think he's got a bright future here. Um, you know, I know I was I was surprised that he did not go down to Orlando City's B team, um, right. you know, to go play there. And I'm not going to question why I didn't, and I'm not going to argue with it because I'm happy he's here. Yeah. Um, so I, and that's that's my takeaway there. And I just I, I'll say what I've said all season: our attacking band has to get better. It just has mm-hmm. to be better. We had a couple very good opportunities Saturday night to score. You know, I know the scoreboard reflects six shots. Um, or the score, you know, the stat sheet reflects six shots. But those six shots were quality looks. You know, hey, do you know who, uh, you know who was on the top of my uh, potential loan list all offseason, right? Was Nikki Jackson. Nikki Jackson. Guess what he did? As, guess what he did as soon as he got to Charlotte Independence on the weekend. I've seen it. I already saw the video. I saw the video already. I, I don't understand how he doesn't end up in Memphis. I, I, I don't, don't because because like He's born in talk, Memphis. When I talked to the front office, like he was the first player they tried to sign. Yeah, something happened. Something happened. He was there. the first player they went after, I know. and at the time, Colorado wasn't going to loan him out. Yeah. Because they were gonna, they needed him this season, mm. and I don't understand how your teammate 
your goalkeeper is a minority owner in the team mm-hmm. and you don't go to Memphis. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, and yeah, it's, I know. And it's the same as like watching uh, JJ Williams. Is his last name? Williams. Oh, yeah. JJ Williams yeah. from Birmingham. Right. JJ yeah, Williams Jerome is sitting in yeah. Birmingham right now mm-hmm. and is sitting on a week to week loan. And it's yeah. like, why are we not going after these kind of guys? Yeah, well, I think we yeah. are. Or something, something's happening in the uh, in the in the communication, or something. Something's breaking down somewhere. But I'll and, say this: uh, I think Nikki Jackson with a goal and an assist. And I'll just tell you what one of my buddies from the Beautiful Game Network was like. I think he's the key to unlocking our offense. I was like, yeah, he could be the key to unlocking our offense. You know. Right. And and here's the thing: I've I've said it before, and I'm gonna say, it, and I've said this off off podcast you can you know you can quote me on this i still believe in our attacking in our attacking group i do i really do i know that some people do not i know that some people have have lost faith there i still believe in elliot collier and dolly and and now we've got white you know white comes in and white looked really good saturday i still believe in that trio of guys and I think that they can. I think that they can mold and work very well together. I mean, there's a lot to. They have you know, to but, find. They have to find the next level. That's yeah. just all I'm going to say. There's got to be another gear that they can get into. And I, and I say this, and I will say this too. You know, Elliot Collier. For everything that's gone on and been said, and everything like that that's been said. For Elliot Collier to fight the way he did Saturday night for this team earned a lot of points in a lot of people's books. Yeah. I mean, he was he was fired up. He was mm-hmm. not having any of the crap calls that went our way. And and let's also say that the officiating Saturday night was horrible. Very bad. And I mean it's it's easy to say that as the losing team, but the officiating was very bad Saturday night. I think that's kind of a complaint that's, that's really common across the league. Right, you know? and like so. I said, and I'm and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna sit here and try to play the victim card of that. I'm not. Right. You know, we yeah. just were we were outplayed. But yeah. oh, absolutely. But yeah, and let's let's make that focus. Like we're not saying that we weren't outplayed. We know right. that. Right. I'm very well aware that we were outplayed. Yeah. I'm just saying there are other things that could have gone and, you know, there was a lot that happened Saturday night that I was questioning decisions. Now, let me ask you this question. This is a very big question. Are you ready to put Saturday night behind us? It's already behind me, you know, and it's, it's behind me. I, I, you know, I didn't tweet anything after the game. I didn't see the need to, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, you know, I can handle, I can handle a loss. I can handle losing to a team that you know, I, I can handle losing a game that we should lose. You yeah, know, a game that we were just that game that we just weren't the better team in. Literally, everybody picked them to be number one, so I'm not that upset about it. Right. Okay, so we don't have we don't have 901 FC this weekend. We but as not. we wrap as we wrap up, I do want to make everybody aware again of the charity event that is going on this Saturday, the fundraiser for St. Jude which is at Houston High School at 1 o'clock. 
It is an all-star match. It is friends of Anna De La Rosa. That's really the best way to describe it. Um, <laughs> it they, you know, it, it was Houston High School alumni, and now it has kind of morphed into some CBU players and some people who are like coming back from other colleges in the area, people who played Lobos with her. And it's just basically, apparently Anna is friends with half of the Memphis area. Uh, and they are, you know, a lot of them are playing in this, in this match on Saturday. It is at one o'clock. There's a big cookout. It's free to get in, but uh, there are donations. Uh, right. There are two ways to donate. The, uh, there, you can donate platelets. And or at least get set up to with St. Jude, and you can also uh, donate money. And so we want everybody to come a, out. I think they have a GoFundMe set up. Yes, there is a GoFundMe as well, and we've tweeted out that link, and we'll do that again uh, for those who can't make it on Saturday. But the BCM uh, sounds like uh, you know there's going to be some some pretty decent representation this weekend, and. We want everybody in the whole entire Memphis area to uh, be able to, um, to you know, uh, participate in that event. If you are outside the Memphis area and you still want to give to St. Jude and give to a great cause and help, a, a, you know, a, a great player and a, a great kid who is, you know, a junior at uh, Christian Brothers University, Anna De La Rosa, then uh, check our Twitter feed, and you'll be able to get that link to that GoFundMe. Um, and we just want everybody to, to, you know, have the opportunity to help. Yeah, I think that, I think that this is a great event. Um, you know, as somebody who grew up in, in Collierville in this area, this is going to be a great match. I'm really excited to actually watch the game because Houston's probably one of the best girls – soccer programs in the state of Tennessee in the country in the country yeah I mean yeah they, they won the national title uh what several years not, well this was like, la- this was 2000 uh let's see it was 18 right yeah 2018 2018 2017 it was it's very recent oh it might have been it's 17 a, you're it right is it might have been 17. very good program yeah. like even when I was in high school they were our rivals and it was I mean like, it's hard not to watch what they do in soccer and just be in awe. And right. so to get to watch – to get to watch some of these girls come back, you know, girls that have, have won national championships and state championships with, you know, clubs and schools and stuff like this, like, it's going to be a very fun day and a very fun event. Yeah. Um, you know, Bluff City Mafia is going to definitely be there. We love Anna. Um, you know, we – I think the city has embraced Anna and stuff, and especially the club. So, and she is really now a full fledged member of Bluff City Mafia. She is. She's a full fledged member of Bluff City Mafia. Um, I see, I see pictures of her all the time with her scarf and her blanket, and she is ready to go. So, I'm very excited to able to, to be able to give back to Anna. Um, mm. And so, like, I know for myself, like, I'm signing up to give platelets and stuff. Um, as soon as I can get that set up. But if you, you know, if you can, if you're listening to this and, and you want to give to a great cause, this is an amazing cause that, you know, needs to be addressed and helped and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Clayton France, listen, man, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, take a breather, take some, get some much needed rest this weekend. 
and uh, we're all looking forward to April 27th at yeah. home, 7 o'clock, against Charleston Battery. Three, three games in eight days. My, my vocal cords need this weekend off. Yeah, you need to be off. So, so thanks for having me on, as always. It's a great time. Uh, we look forward to doing it again. All right, buddy. We'll see. You. All right. See ya. We are a part of the Beautiful Game Network. Go to bgn.fm to discover soccer podcasts from across this great nation of ours.